Hello and welcome to Martially Motivated. I'm your host, Dan Burrell with Burrell Martial Arts. Today, my guest is an old friend, Aaron Lawrence of Shoshinru Jiu-Jitsu. He is calling in from Oregon. Uh, he moved out there about a year ago, but he still has some ties here with the school that he's passed on to his students and is starting some uh, classes out there as well. Uh, we go over a lot of different stuff uh, from experiences and how martial arts has impacted us, some teaching aspects, uh, a lot of good advice on there. I hope you enjoy. So I've got Aaron Lawrence. Um, you have a school in uh, Oregon right now, or you just have the school that's here in Wilmington? Um, I just moved to Oregon about a year ago, and I've been getting myself settled, so to speak. We, uh, I have two students, and we're, uh, we're training as much as possible, especially with the current situation. Yeah. Um, and we're renting, well, just before everything went down with COVID and all the restrictions, um, I went through all of the FSA background check and uh, certification to be able to teach at a gymnastics studio. So we'll gotcha. be doing that once a week once the restrictions get lifted. Uh, but yeah, I've got the school in Wilmington, and then uh, um, you know, which is which is being run by uh, all my students there. And then uh, this one, I'm just going to build from the ground up like I did in Wilmington. Gotcha. So you still uh, you're still in control of the the Wilmington one, or did you completely pass it off to somebody? You're overseeing it. How's that one working? I pass it off to my senior group of students there. Gotcha. Um, there's no, we don't, we're not a uh, social room for the most part. Isn't really a business type entity um, insofar as like uh, you know franchise or mm -hmm. anything like that. So you know, I'm, I'm there, I'm there in their ear as a mentor. Uh, anything that they need. Um, and you know, I, I run it sort of that way behind the scenes, in some respect. But no, it's, I'm not a, I'm not running any part of the day to day or financial stuff like that. Gotcha. So yeah. I want to start. Um, normally, asked uh, uh, or ask how you get started. I want to get into that. Um, but you're reminding me, um, Shoshin. You, we've talked about this before when I first met you, and I really liked um, the 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 organization, the way it was set up because it's very similar to um, what we have done in the past, which is kind of you do your own thing, but we're going to be there to help you. Um, can you explain um, your style um, and where it came about and how you got into it? Oh, boy. Um, so uh, Shoshin Ryu is a, uh, a traditional Japanese-style jiu-jitsu self-defense system. Uh, we got our name from... Uh, one of our head guys has a real deep connection with Japan, and he goes there every two years to train. He's been doing it since, like, 1980 80 or 81. He trains in Kochi um, under a sword school there. And uh, in the late 80s, there was just a lot of politics and issues going on with mm -hmm. another another art that was splitting. Uh, it was a Jukido art. And um, he and a, another group of gentlemen... We're just like you know we we've got other ideas on how to do things and this is uh, this isn't really for the growth of, of the martial artist it's more for the growth of the pocketbook mm -hmm. so what do we do and they came up with Shoshin Ryu so when he or you know like that was the framework the framework of technique and and for, and how it would work and uh, what they would do so when he was in Japan he had uh, he worked with one of his sensei on on what it should be called and. He told them what, what the goal would be, and 
came up with Shoshin Ryu, which is Truthful Heart Way. Gotcha. Um, and after what happened then, on the you know here in America, as we or they, because I wasn't around at the time, they uh, created a nonprofit. So the association, you know, the the main part of the association is a nonprofit organization. We have a board of directors, um, and if you are of of correct uh, rank and capability and time in and you want to start up a group or start up a, a school, um, they support you in doing that. You know, it's two way street obviously. Mm-hmm. So I got into it in ninety six. Um there was a woman, her name is uh, Debbie McClellan, she's my original sensei. She was teaching out of a community center in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and that's where I was at the time, and there was a group of my friends, we were all 16, 17, 18 years old, um, they were all brothers, three brothers and me, and we started, and she loved us because we just sucked up all the information, we loved it, and she could just mangle any one of us without lifting a <laughs> finger, <laughs> and that's why we liked it, you know, so, yeah. uh, and I, that's where I wanted to. That's what I wanted to do. I wasn't in it for sport. I wasn't in it for. I was in it for the art. I was in it for the. Uh, I always wanted to be the little old man walking down the street with a cane, just you know, bent over and old as hell, and have these group of you know bad guys come up and try to get me. And <laughs> I wanted to be the guy that just either doesn't have to fight them at all because he kills them with his words, or or is able to just put them in a pile without even losing his breath, you know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> that, that really, with the way that she operated, her uh, her jiu-jitsu was very good, and I, I really, uh, it really keyed off well with me, and then that's where my path started. Gotcha. So when did you get into the teaching side of it? Um, I didn't want to at first. Um, so 96 is when I started. <clears throat> In 2000, um, I, my teacher said, you should start a, a black, uh, a kid's class. I'm like, no, 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 I don't need to start a kid's class. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> there was another jujitsu guy, a small circle jujitsu guy. His name was Darren, had a kid's class. And, uh, he had a, he had a really interesting interaction. He had an altercation where he, in his eyes, he failed at handling the situation. And, uh, he was a third degree black belt, had been doing it for, you know, 20 years or something like that, and he quit because he he felt that he lost this fight. Hmm. Um, and he's like, I'm done. I'm out of here. And I was like, that's, you know, we were friends. We trained together and stuff like that, and I, I had just got my show done. And uh, he says, I'm out of here. This stuff doesn't work. I was like, it, I think it does. You, <laughs> you know, it, you did fine. So the story is he was a uh, asset protection guy at Sears, so he was working at the mall and he was look, watching cameras that are watching people as they shop and looking for shoplifters. And uh, he he saw a guy put a bunch of wrenches in his pants. Hmm. And uh, you know they have to wait for the guy to they have to wait for the person to actually leave the premises to you know have proof that they were trying to steal it. So yeah. he, this this guy got outside. And he confronted him and the guy produced a knife and said, "If you come next to me, I'm gonna or if you come up to me, I'm gonna kill you." And Darren was you know a very fit, very fast, very, very strong, very skilled martial artist. And he's like, oh, whatever, I'm still going to chase this guy down. Well, he chased the guy down. They got in an altercation. Darren did not get cut. Um, but he had the guy, the, the 
guy's knife was in his hand, in his own hand. Darren had his hand, his forearm locked between Darren's thighs, like squeezing it, and he was holding the other guy's other arm, just squeezing and holding him. And the guy had, so the guy had his, uh, yeah, right, right. So, oh, that's right. So Darren was just holding onto this guy's arm, and his, um, and he was trying to hit him with his radio. So Darren's got his right hand, or whatever, one of his hands holding this guy's arm and his legs. And this guy's keeping Darren on the ground, like, punching And, uh, you know, people called 911, and the other security people came out, and they got him. And, you know, Darren got hit a few times, and he hit the guy a few times with his radio. But when people showed up, you know, the guy gave up. He dropped his knife, and yeah. they arrested him. So, in my, you know, me and my teacher at the time, we talked to him. We're like, dude, you didn't get cut. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Like, you knew the control to, 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 you know, really keep that knife at bay and not get hit. That's, you think that this stuff is going to be pretty when it actually goes down? <laughs> no, it's not pretty like what we do at the dojo. Like, we train it over and over again, but it's not going to look like that. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> uh, but for him, for him, that was it. Huh. He was done. So, long story short, I took over his kid's class. Um, and then my teacher, um, I think it was a year, that was 2000, I think it was 2002. Yeah, it was 2002. My teacher gave me a call and said, hey, are you good to teach tonight? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I can, I can take over class for you. What, what's going on? He's like, well, I'm quitting. Hmm. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> You've been in this forever. You you trained under my, you know, your mentor, mentor, who's now my mentor 25 years ago. You've been doing this forever. And, you know, you were in college back then or 30 years ago. It was a long time. He said, yeah, I, I know. And then I have nothing, there's nothing wrong with anything. I love it. I love training with you, but I'm done. I'm going to do something else. Um, and that was it. He just dropped it and left, and nobody heard from him. So then I had to answer these questions to the to the board of directors for like the next ten years. Like, have you heard from Dale? What's going on with Dale? Is he okay? I'm like, yeah, he's he's good. He just didn't want to do anything anymore. <laughs> to like force Gump at the end of the run. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, which I think is a. Uh, I think that's a pretty. I think that's a good thing. I think that if you don't want to do it, you shouldn't do it. You yeah, know? You correct. Should, if you're getting tired and that's it, then go do something that really gets, brings you joy. I tell people all the time, like, when you come into my dojo and you want to train with me or just anywhere, if we're talking about Shoshinru, I'm going to tell you about Shoshinru. We're going to have a great, I'm, I'm going to get into this passionate, like, eyes glazed over insurmountable joy about what I talk about. Yeah. You don't have to like it like I do. You can like Fabergé eggs, collecting them. I don't care. Whatever you do, but do it with your whole heart. You know what I mean? Like, really get into it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started teaching them in 2002. Took over the school. Um, and uh, I was there. That was in Albuquerque. So I, I, I left there and came to Wilmington in 2000, the end of 2004. Gotcha. That, that was the same time I moved here as well. And it wasn't long after that that we had met. Do you remember what year we met? Uh, I would guess I hit the I hit the ground running when I when I came to Wilmington. Mm-hmm. My goal was to go to every dojo and meet every instructor in town, and I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, I think the only one I don't know if Bernie was there. Um, 
No, he would have been with um, uh, not not Choi chose um, at the time, and then he moved over okay. with uh, Matt after that, and then he went on his own. So I yeah, I didn't meet him until years later. Okay, yeah, you know what? I'm glad you said that because I never made it out to chose. Gotcha. That was the dojo I never made it out to. Okay, so he was a product of chose. Mm-hmm. You know, I met uh, Jim Irwin. I met uh, uh, Lightski, uh, Kim. You, um, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school, you know, before it was Evolution, mm-hmm. um, Jeremy over there, um, so yeah, anyway, the point of that story is, uh, when I started, when I got to Wilmington, I wanted to just meet everybody who was there, and my goal was to rent space, sort of like I did in Albuquerque, which was, uh, originally we were working out of a, a judo dojo, we're like, we'll take whatever nights you don't rent, and we'll help pay you rent by you know, giving you a percentage of our student cost mm-hmm. or uh, dues. And that worked out pretty well. Um, and I remember you and I talked about that at 1.2. You were down on um, South 17th, weren't you? Um, let's see. I was um, yeah. Caroline you Beach Road. Yeah, I was at um, Chris Martial Arts with Kim. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yep, yep, yep. You were. Yeah. Yeah, we, that was cool, man. Um, you were the most inviting person. That's for sure. Yeah, the, the I didn't have too many people that um, the same thing with you. I've tried going to a lot of the schools in town, um, and it was tough to find some. Some like you, you know, at the time again, this was two thousand four, two thousand five ish, and right. uh, so not everybody was on the internet. Um, there were some in the the phone book at the time. And it was, it was yeah. kind of piecing things together. Then you get some information. You go somewhere. Like, I, I went to go find um, Jim Irwin. Um, he was one of the first ones I tried to find. And I went to two or three different locations to, to find him. And I couldn't, like, every time it was closed or a different shop. Um, it was until yeah, years great. later that I met him. But, um, yeah, most of them I just, I struggled to get in there. But there was a few that I did. Um, and you were the first one that actually approached me. And, and I think you emailed me or called me or something like that. And we just started talking. And, like, hey, let's just go train for a bit. <laughs> so it was right. great. And luckily, that's continued. Like, most of the schools here in Wilmington, uh, I know pretty well and can just go over train or talk or text them, whatever it may be. There's you know, there's a few holdouts that we all know of, but um, right. that's just the way. That's martial arts for you. You've got some people that have egos or don't want their students to, you know, see that there's other stuff out there that, may change right. their mind at all which I, I don't get that one at all but you know to each their own yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a very a very insecure outlook I, I gotta commend you for that and you have done it more than I more than I ever did and uh, more than I ever purported you know like I purported to do that like I Shoshin Ru one of the terms that we use is the unencumbered study of martial arts mm-hmm. so we have people that are um and other, you know, black belts in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and black belts in Taekwondo, and yep. um, they either they they either start with us and go on and continue to do both parts, or they uh, come from and then and then stick with our art. You know, either way, there's lots of stories, and you hear those stories all the time. Mm-hmm. But I, I see what you've done in the Wilmington community. I'm just like, man, my hats off to you because I I will use the excuse that I started having kids that in 2012. And it was just really hard for me to focus on anything but, yeah. you know, home life, career, and Shoshin Ryu. 
and I had to make that decision. Like you guys, you and Brent schedule all those, uh, all those friendship seminars and stuff. And what a valuable thing, man! I think that's just really cool. Yeah, and we keep doing them. We that's, you know, I've talked to Brent about this as well, as well. You know, Bernie and uh, Matt, everybody in, that we are associated with it. Uh, I go train with them or to a seminar, even if I'm just like standing there watching another instructor. I'm like, oh wow. I didn't even think about that position or that scenario or their way of doing it. Like, you know, it conflicts with what I'm doing maybe, but I can see where that one's coming from. I want to play with that one for a little bit. It's just, it's incredible. Uh, anytime you just open the mind and go out there and train with somebody else, uh, how much valuable stuff, even if it's just to solidify what you already know, that always helps as well. Absolutely. I will say yeah. one thing that uh, helped me the most with, getting in with all these people was actually going to um prime at first it was um brent's tournament that was when i first met him and through that tournament i met a few other people as well as the fact that i you know was uh teaching and renting out uh kim crisp place uh so i met kim obviously then i met um uh really everyone he was associated associated with with redmond and them um, and then through those tournaments, I kept meeting new instructors from either this area or another area. Um, and then, of course, that instructor knew another instructor. So really, that, that first tournament I went to here in town was kind of a big door opening. And I, I used to love tournaments, um, compete and everything. It's, uh, you know, it's not my focus anymore, but I still go yeah. just because, it, one, it helps uh, friends out and I get to see a lot of these people again. Um, but, uh, right. that connection that it's, it's tough and it, there's no way to really put a mathematical equation down and go, okay, this is why you need to go meet this person. Now <laughs> you just do right. the best you can with it. And sometimes a big door opens like that. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure you have, um, these connections that you make. And if I just focused it down on like, if I scope, if I focus the scope down to just my dojo, and I look at where I've met people and whether they stuck with Shoshin or not, or they were just friends of other people in the dojo. It's amazing to look back at 15 years of, of life and, and friendships with these people to see just where that went. You know, like you look back and you say, wow, how could you, I would have never guessed that this, I would be this close to, or have seen this thing because, you know, when I first met those people in a, you know, sitting at a bar or something like that, you know, yeah. really cool. And, and for that, man, I mean, just, uh, you know, meeting you and then having a connection with, um, you know, when I, when you invited me to come back and teach that FCS seminar that night mm -hmm. and, you know, meeting Mikey Moran and all those guys, that was just really cool to have yeah. that connection. You know? It is. And I wish more people did that stuff. And I, you know, where I came from in Nebraska, we just didn't have anything. We didn't have that option that we were the only school in town. I think it was us and the YMCA had a very limited, like, you know, the first few belts you can go through, but the, the instructor was maybe a black belt. So there wasn't much going on there to get out and talk to these other people and train with other people. Uh, we had to drive an hour, two, three, four hours away to go to seminars or tournaments and whatever else, which thankfully we did. We, we did still have a community there, um, but it was still also kind of all under the same umbrella, like the same you know, two or three people ran everything. Um, so there wasn't a big difference in styles or thought processes. 
it wasn't until really I got out here where, you know, I, I counted one day uh, a few years back. I was like, how many schools are in, like, the Wilmington area? Like, I can drive 20 minutes, and how many schools am I going to hit? I counted 40. 40. What? 40 schools or clubs. Um, some are, you know, just people out of their garage, but, you know, that's where I started. was out of my garage, and it uh, right. doesn't really matter the location. Is somebody teaching and allowing students in. That's what I counted, and I met vast majority I would say at least 30 35 of them I've met and know and friends with uh and there's so many different variations out there it was just it's like a wealth of knowledge just floating around us I'm like I gotta get that (laughs) oh yeah absolutely well man that's amazing that's just that's such a flood and now that you say that now I'm gonna I'm gonna count what's here in Eugene I have no idea yeah Yeah, it's crazy. And that, it's funny too when you when you look back at the history. Just like you said, you know, Bernie started with with Chose, mm-hmm. and then he was with Matt, and then he's got his own place. Like, there's that history where they do these splintering, you know. Yeah. And that's what that's how history works for all of our sorts as well. I mean, Chose and Rue is a split splinter of of another two arts, mm-hmm. you know. So. So with uh, with your guys' um, style art. Um, do you change it at all? Do you are you pretty um, traditional with it, or do you look at it like um, uh, you know if you see something like man that that would work great in our system, I'm going to put it in there. Do you have that flexibility there? Yes. Um, <clears throat> so um, uh, the the answer is yes, absolutely. Uh, our Shoshin Ryu is so different than it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we still have 90% of the same kata, um, three, well, hold on a second, two kata have been created, self-defense kata that are shodan and idan, idan the sandan, um, but uh, there's, you know, I mean, you can't, you can't watch the UFC, the original UFC, and think that you're going to have an effect on a you know somebody who's taking Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for six months versus somebody who's never been on the ground, mm-hmm. like you've got to have the ability to to be open-minded to that thing, and that's what that was part of a big change that happened to us um, was the early two thousands. Um, it didn't change a whole lot from the the, the the creation of the art and the art name was ninety two. It didn't change a whole lot um, uh, between like ninety two and, and two thousand. 2002 and then it started to, to change a lot and now we we have in our in our bylaws that we review our curriculum white belt to black belt and then each rank thereafter every five years uh, and that doesn't mean that it necessarily changes but it probably means that something we're going to have a new set of videos out there going to be you know higher quality better better sound better technique um or just a better delivery system for how we try to teach and support our students. Um, and, and technique as well. Okay, what's been working? What have we been seeing? And we've been seeing that uh, there's a throw called Kanadasami. That's a judo throw. Um, uh, it's a scissor sweep. I'm sure you, mm-hmm. I think you probably got it in Hapkido. Yeah. Um, so it's a scissor sweep where you're, you know, like the person's standing, um, and then you've got, you go on one hand and then put your, put their hips between your legs and then sweep them backwards. Well, 
the way to really do it on the street is you drive your hips through their hips sideways and if they're wearing sneakers or they're they have any weight to them those ankle their feet stick and their ankles just pop to the side mm. um so over a few years of having that throw in our brown belt curriculum we were getting we were hearing reports of people breaking their ankles in class because they were like well we're training it right and whatever like okay we first you have to teach how to do it safely mm-hmm. don't do the drive in the dojo <laughs> teach that it exists and that that's a thing that you should do but make sure that your your technique is going front to back so that your person can do a, a proper ukeme a proper backfall mm-hmm. um that's number one number one is always safety number two uh are our brown belts that are you know really hot and heavy and have, don't have a lot of experience in the art don't have a lot of kokoro which is heart like you know the actual mind for training they're just really hot hit physical which is where they should be looking at shodan in my opinion mm-hmm. um maybe we should move it up a rank <laughs> <laughs> uh so you know that's just an example it's just a um you know putting a magnifying glass on one technique that we took out of one rank and put in another yeah um the injection of, of uh, Nawaza or ground fighting Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is huge. Um, you know, now, uh, if you look at the quality of one of our black belts, uh, we expect that that person should have the same proficiency and ability to at least hold their own with a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, they, should, they should know what guard is, side mount, full amount, uh, how to make transitions, three to four transitions from each of those, how to deal with it when they're being struck from those positions, how to hold those positions and keep somebody down, things like that. So, yeah. And that was, that was non-existent in 2000, yeah. 2005. Yeah, and you saw that big change, too, with um, UFC. I remember those first three, I believe. I saw the first three, like, in one night. Um, they were doing replay before, like, the fourth one. And so you, you see in Gracie, and I was training at the time, because I think that was early uh, 90s. And I remember going, why, like when they were coming out and it wasn't Gracie, I was watching somebody else, but they're like punching and stuff. I'm like, grab him, throw him down, choke him, do that. Like, because we, you know, I was in the, the grappling art of Hubkido. So to me, go in and grab, 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 and neutralize. And, and but then you see Gracie go out there and, and do it. And I'm like, Finally, <laughs> but then you know I didn't know about um, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I I probably heard the name or something. I knew the word Jiu-Jitsu. I just didn't know the system that well. But you start looking at it and go, okay, w- what do they do different than us? And you start to yeah. diagnose those things. You try it. You train with people that know it, and then you start manipulating your own system. And it, it's great because, and I think most schools do this. I hope they do anyway of uh, reassessing, like you said, every so often, go back and look at the material and go, is it current? Is it right? Is there something that needs to be adjusted, even if it's just moving it to a different rank? And yeah. it's, uh, I will say, I did have uh, years ago that I was doing that, and I was taking some stuff out. I thought, well, there's one technique in Hapkido where they grab you and you turn your back to them, grab their wrist, and then you know, take them down. I'm like, why would you yeah. turn your back to an attacker like that? That just doesn't make <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, so I threw it out. I'm like, well, I like doing it. It's fun, but I'm not going to demand teach. I'm not going to teach this and say, you need to learn this. And then I was sparring around. I think I was actually sparring with Todd, uh, one of my uh, black belts now. And um, 
he had taken my back when we were grappling and wow. his arm was back there and I just because I trained that technique I knew exactly where his hand was the formation it was in I grabbed it twisted threw him off me and reversed it I'm like well yeah. shit that's why that technique was in there it taught me that it, even though the scenario was stupid you, you know you, you don't want to just right. stand there and suddenly turn it back to somebody but the there was an attribute in there that I learned that helped me and so then I ended up putting it back in but now when I teach it I go okay you're probably not going to do it this way but here's why this is a good technique so it's just it's one of those experience things the more you you understand it and learn each technique you get a better idea of what the focus is and not just the, the whole technique and regurgitating it because that's what you learned so that that change is important and I know we did that a lot with um, my instructor he was um, SWAT team and uh, he did a lot of the DTAC so he he trained with law enforcement and I know when we first started doing knife defense uh, we did it through that, like our Hapkido program. You, you and I trained with the Hapkido program, knife defense, but our right. uh, DTAC program was is very different than that. Well, considerably different, not very different. Some of the same philosophy, but uh, I remember those first defenses back in the early '90s. They they were rough because it was like six moves for an attack coming in, and yeah. then I there had to have been reports of just people getting stabbed in law enforcement and they're going this isn't working so they went back and they tweaked it and they dropped it down about four moves and they're still having problems and now it's down to like one and two moves like it, it evolved over time and you see that right. with you know law enforcement and whatnot military but I know martial artists especially the traditional ones hold off so much harder on changing things and it's frustrating because uh, they yeah. you, you gotta constantly revamp things and think it through and go why is this here? <laughs> right. Well, you know, martial arts is a breeding ground for the ego. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people find a lot of power for insecurities through martial arts, and they find a lot of ability to heal their insecurities as well. And I think they started for the for the right reasons, and they might, you know, depending on the sensei, if it's a good sensei or a shitty sensei, mm -hmm. they're gonna they're gonna find better ways and hopefully become part of the solution rather than you know just more part of the the crap that that sometimes you see. But um, you know, it's hard to to change, and it's you know I'm I'm involved with these conversations of change, and it's not easy, not just because like no, I want to hold on to that because you know. So and so taught me that in 1987, or like whatever. It's not about that. It's about okay. What is the best way to help the next, uh, the next, uh, uh, you know, family, the next evolution mm -hmm. of Shoshinryu students? All right, you've got these moves in this kata that are the same as the moves in this kata. And what does that teach them? What does that give them? It gives them more ability to balance when they make this transition to this, or more ability to power through this strike versus this. And um, you're like, well, you know, is taking that out the best because it gives them more time to practice other stuff instead of having more kata, less kata? So it's just interesting, the weeds that you get into mm -hmm. without, without the ego into it. Much less if you're like, no, I don't want to change because I'm uncomfortable and because I look like shit on YouTube if I do this. <laughs> you know? Um, so, I don't know. It's a, it's a big conversation. And I think that um, for, for me and for, for, my, for me and the people that I work with, 
my mentors and and uh, uh, you know cohorts. It's about the sincerity of it, and are we looking out for what's best for the next um, the next the next generation? You know. Yeah. You know, I had and a change, yeah. change is inevitable, man. You're going to get is. there, and if we're having people that don't know how to sprawl and at least hold their own against somebody who's a who's a grappler, then then we're doing a disservice. Yep. And if I'm not able to put myself there with my black belt, you know, that I've had for 20 years under that same microscope as a white belt guy who's half my age, then there's something wrong with my ego. There's mm-hmm. not something wrong with my technique. I can learn the technique. But if I'm shutting that out, that growth out, just because I'm not good at it yet, that's that's an issue. So yeah. it's good to change. It is. Good to change. And it's tough because it, to change, you got to admit that you're wrong. And that's really difficult. Like you said, it's an ego thing for a lot of people. But if you never you know, shout it from the rooftops that you're right in the first place, you don't really have to worry too much about it. And I think that's part of the issue right. is we just get so locked into being right that any amount of change, even when the facts are right in front of you, you're just not going to do it because it means beating yourself down. You think it is. It's not. It just it, it feels like it is. It's, it's tough. Yeah. Absolutely, man. You hit the nail on the head with that. People who are self, you know, they, they talk about themselves only like I, 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 and I did mm-hmm. this and I did that. It's always a warning flag for me, man. Yeah. It's always a warning flag. When you talk about your students, you know, and that's the interesting thing as an instructor too, is how do you, you you've got to, it's all about balance. If you can balance your students and your peers' view of you to help them see that you have accomplished good things through, you know, not so easy or hard circumstances, but also bring them along to understand that they can too, so, so that you make your story about them rather than mm-hmm. your story about you and how badass you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting thing, you know? It's interesting. It is. Challenge. <laughs> yeah, because you have to put... It, it's tough because you already... As an instructor, we get put in that position of we know everything the second they, that student walks in. Most of them. So you, then we get the students that are just complete opposite. Usually they've trained somewhere else and then everything you do is wrong. Right. But you know that average student walks in and you're the the, the mental mecca of everything and uh, you know it all and you're you're thinking nah I, I'm barely holding this on by a thread <laughs> I, I, I'm figuring this stuff out and I'm just teaching you as I go and sometimes I'm gonna change it and you're gonna get frustrated I'm gonna get frustrated we're gonna move on together and it, yeah. it's tough but because uh, you get put on that pedestal and you, you have to you know, knock yourself down and I think one of the best things for, for me is just getting in there and sparring and working with them and uh, taking them with me to seminars, um, not just teaching them, uh, and then explaining when you've made mistakes. And uh, one thing I had years ago, it had nothing to do with martial arts, but it was defining moment for really for, for my martial arts, but for a lot of things. It was a drafting teacher I had in high school and he had said at the beginning of, I think it was our second year, we had done uh, about a year of drafting to begin with, and then the second year, uh, we were getting deeper into the, the AutoCAD system. And uh, the very first day, he said his goal for the end of the year is to make all of us better than him at the AutoCAD system. And of course, we all laughed. I'm like, that's not possible. Like, 
you have the knowledge, you're giving it to us. How are we supposed to know more than you? And right. he said, you'll figure it out. And then by the end of the year, we're showing him stuff on that AutoCAD that he didn't know about. And we're teaching him these okay. things. And it was perfect. Wow. And that same thing, when I have students, I, I tell them the exact same thing. You're going to be a better black belt than I was when I was that first degree black belt. Every step of the way, you're going to be better than me when I was at your rank. Guaranteed. Right. Because I've improved things and I've passed it on. And you're going to improve it and pass it on. That's, just, that's how it works. If not, it's stale and it comes watered down because things are going to get forgotten. But if you keep progressing with it... It won't happen. It's going to get better each new generation that comes through there. Absolutely. And what a valuable thing. I think that's, that key thing is missing in a lot. And uh, when I see that, it just, I don't know, it just opens up my heart, man, because that, that's it. That's the key. That happened to me when I was, you know, 17 or something. One, mm -hmm. of, my, one of my teachers, he was, come, he was in town on a seminar, and he told me, he's like, man, you're really talented, Aaron. You're doing really good. You're going to be way better than me when I was at a black when when you get your black belt. You're going to be better than me than I was at a black belt. But you know what? You're never going to be as good as me because I'm so many years ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very it was a very cool lesson to just teach me in that one little conversation, that one little moment in time. Yep. To say this isn't about my ego. It's about time in and training and skill. You are better than me than I was at the time. Mm -hmm. But I've been doing this so long that I'm gonna, and I'm going to continue to set the bar higher, and so are you. So let's do this together. Like it just put all that into perspective, and it wasn't like, oh, master, 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 I will never reach you. You're like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> now pay me 1995. And, you know, <laughs> really get, cool. Get your belts ordered and set up and ready to go. And as yeah. soon as you pay me, it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send, send me a video and you'll get here's your blue belt coming in the mail. Yeah, <laughs> I want to I want to jump back a little bit to uh, that story you had with your friend um, with the knife and that was trying to steal something because it uh, I think it's an important story because for him he failed but you and I both looked at that and thought well that was a success because we both know if there's a knife pulled out you're going to get cut. That's, that's the golden rule of knife fighting is you're going to get cut. And it's just limiting how much you get cut. So for him to get away without any cuts is, to me, success. And I'm sure you're the same. So the I have kind of a similar story with this. Uh, and I hope anybody, like students that are listening or whatever, understand this, this side of it. Um, I had a, it was a fellow... Um, training student like we, we trained together I think he was actually a little bit higher ranked than I was when I started um, and he was at a bar for New Year's and uh, he had seen the, a guy in, in the bar and just in his mind he's like yeah, this, this guy seems a little off but the guy ended up leaving um, and uh, my friend was I think maybe one step away from black belt and so he'd been training for a few years at least. Um, and he got ready to go and stepped outside and he saw that guy just standing there. And the guy was standing there with the, a, a thick chain. And he, again, he just, he had his eyes on him as he kind of walked around him, but the guy jumped out in front of him. 
and then just started wailing on him with the chain. Beat him over the head, uh, dropped him to the ground, and uh, the guy just took off running. So you look at that and you go, okay, he got attacked and you know beaten with this chain. He didn't win that fight. But he went to um, the hospital, obviously, right after that. And he took himself there. He went there, got a checkup. Uh, and the doctors came in after like x-rays and looking him over. And they go, a normal person never would have survived this uh, because that first hit would have threw somebody into shock or knocked them out. But you yeah. put your hands up and you tucked away and protected your head so you only got like scrapes in certain areas. You got a bunch of stitches, but he never lost consciousness. He, he, he easily could have died. The average person would have being beat over the head with that, but he'd just been so trained to keep his wits about him and to keep moving his head and protecting it. And so it was a lot of glancing blows because of that. So it's, again, that goes back to was it a success, was it not, and he is perfectly fine today. So to me, it's a success because, you know, that, that fight that we think of isn't, you know, like you said, it's not pretty. <laughs> it's not about being pretty. It's going to be ugly. It's protecting your body and, you know, being able to get away for that next, you know, potential fight or, you know, going back to your kids and your family, whatever it may be. Uh, exactly. I think that gets missed a lot when it comes to self-defense is that we forget there's a mental side of it. It's not just the punching and the kicking. It's, it's so much yeah. more deeper and just learn how to take a punch is a huge part of self-defense and not flinch and go crying and fall on the ground and running away or freezing up. It, we, we've done it enough that we can take a punch and go, okay, now what are we going to do with it? <laughs> right. Absolutely. No, that's a great story, man. And that's, again, I, you know, I probably preach this a lot, but it's about ego. You mm -hmm. know, when you, when you, when you get out of there and you say, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to get my black belt. I can't even take out some no name with a chain you know, or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever his story. And I, I know I'm making that up, mm -hmm. but, um, well, you, you said the exact right thing. He gets to go home to his family. Mm -hmm. And that, that is self-defense. That's the That's what matters. Yep. It's not, it's not what we see in the movies and what we, you know, even even the, the movies that I put on in my own head about self-defense and what I'm going to do and what I would do to this guy if they did this or that, like, that's all good because it's part of the training because mm -hmm. it's putting you into situations where you, you put your mind there and you say, you know, and that's, you know, having been there before, like, that's the definition of the word sensei is the one who's been there before. And if you do that practice in and out and you have that in your head, then yeah, that means you're going to be a step ahead. But that step ahead may mean that you look terrible. It wasn't an ego-feeding, awesome victory, but the victory is that you get to live another day. Mm -hmm. And that's it, man. That's, that's valuable. So did he keep training, or did he quit? or? Yeah, he ended up moving. I think he moved to Chicago. Um, I talked to him uh, like years later. He just happened to like email and we talked a little bit and said he was doing a little bit of training here and there. Uh, but, yeah, he was doing fine. Um, he, I don't try to think if he finished getting his black belt. I think he's part of the, uh, the, the group that was one step away from black belt but never got it. We, we had that. Uh, we call it the curse of the black-white belt because that, that's our last uh, color belt rank in Hapkido is the black with the white stripe. 
And oh, yeah. for years, we would get somebody up to that rank, ready to test, and then poof, gone. <laughs> and they never tested yeah. for their black belt. And it drove us nuts. I'm like, that is such a huge milestone. And it, it makes you realize that they're probably just going to get that black belt leave anyway. And they thought it yeah. was the end result and they were close enough, whatever it may be. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I know a lot of people. Uh, it was, uh, since we, we only trained adults with that program, uh, it was um, people that got married, changed jobs, had kids, moved away. So it was yeah. things that they really couldn't control for the most part. Um, but there were some that you're like, dude, just show up. <laughs> Finish this yeah. and then oh, let's really learn what Hapkido is or Taekwondo or whatever it is they're training. All the, the amazing stuff happens at Black Belt. That's where it starts. But trying to explain oh, yeah. that to people until it actually happens is so difficult because there's no one thing to say, hey, you're going to learn this. Well, it's not really like that. It's difficult. That's but right. I, I, we went no. years that way. It's, yeah, it's interesting you say that because uh, a few years ago we noticed that in Shoshan that, that there was a sort of a sort of a brown belt curse where they, we had a lot of brown belts and a lot of people that would either quit or just stay there. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, there's a gentleman, um, man, there's two gentlemen that I started with in friggin' '96 that were brown belts when I started, and they were still brown belts when I tested for my second degree black belt. <laughs> um, so when we when when Shushinru started to see that we started to ask the question well why and how do we change this and now it's it's a cultivation of spirit really it's more of a how do you support the brown belts and get them to take that next level because if we're an art that for, you know says everywhere you know we're not about ego it's not about rank it's about skill it's about the path it's about the training it's not about this you know like hey you get a black belt you know and Mm -hmm. You can too, like type, type thing. It's like, well, then you, then you, then that spirit is sort of headed the wrong way. It's like, oh, well, I don't really care to make that next jump. Mm -hmm. But you know, just as good as I, when you test somebody and they make that jump uh, at any rank, but for Shodan, you know, or Mudancha uh, to Yudancha, it is. You look at them a week later, and you're just going to be like, holy crap, that person made a huge jump. Mm -hmm. No matter who they are, how they are physically, whether they were, you know, a, a stellar tester or not, whether they were, um, you know, a stellar brown belt, like their technique was just spot on or not, you see a jump. And it's really cool to see them do that. And we, you know, it's not necessarily about like, how many brown belts have I done, like a notch in my belt, but you get to look at it and say, well, how many people have I helped make that jump in their life, in their technique and in their spirit, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so we started doing that a little bit younger and start to say, okay, how do we support our brown belts? How do we get them sort of going um, to say, no, brown belt or black belt is a thing. Like it's a, it's something you should be looking to, to attain. And my teacher, the one that, that uh, called me out of the blue and said, hey, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. Uh, he used to say just what you said. He said, there's a black belt club and you want to be in it. Like, because it's where all the cool shit is. Mm -hmm. You get to put all that stuff you've been doing for these year, many years of training, you get to put all of it together and play. Mm -hmm. So get in the club. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's tough. I, I think everyone I've talked to uh, has said this, basically said the same thing, that last rank. And for most, it's brown belt. Um, 
I think most systems, brown or red is like the last belt before you get to the black belt. Uh, and but point being that last rank is such it's such a difficult task. And uh, I was talking to um, uh, Grandmaster Kim uh, about this, and he had said he had asked me a question. I was interviewing him at the time, but um, he's like, "Let me guess, you lose students at green belt, and you lose a bunch of students at brown belt." And I'm like, yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> like, so does everybody. And there's reasons for it. Because what happens at green belt, what happens at brown belt, what happens at black belt, all these things. Green belt for most systems, for ours anyway, is when you start sparring. You're not allowed to spar until you get to green belt. And that for people is where they go, nope, I'm out. I can't do this. So mentally, it beats them down because they don't think they can do it. And at the same time, a lot of systems kind of front load things and they, they teach a lot of stuff getting to green belt with that mind of, I want them to have as much of an arsenal to work with when they spar. And he's like, that's dumb. Don't do that. Cause now they think they know everything. They never prove it. And then they leave and then they're going to get killed somewhere. Oh, and yeah. so then the, the next one was that brown belt. He's like that brown belt's a huge step up because it's no longer about just doing this, you know, working your forms, doing your sparring, you know, whatever it may be. It's now the heavy application of it because we need to see that you're capable of doing this stuff to get to that black belt club. So where we're not thinking about it, we just know everyone's capable. That yeah. gap there to get to black belt from brown is where we decide: Are you capable of being a black belt? And so we're harder. I think just naturally we're harder on these people. We're we're more like family with them but because of that we are quick to let them know when they're making mistakes a lot more than somebody that's new and so yeah, right. there is that um you know putting that pressure on them they're, they're either gonna turn to a diamond or they're gonna crush <laughs> so right. i think that's uh does i don't think it matters what the system in the system is i think that process is always the same there's just a certain level of training that goes on and at certain milestones uh, people look at it and go, let me think what's coming next. Do I really want to do this? Is it worth it to me? And right. I know virtually every instructor will probably say the same thing. It's it's always on us. It's, it's our fault if we didn't get that across to them or uh, whatever it may be. It's not the student's fault. We, we made a mistake, you know, you know, showing that it's too hard or whatever it may be and not giving them a more direct path of here's how you do it type of thing. So no matter what, we always cringe when we lose students. Uh, everybody does because you know you see that and go, crap, what did we do wrong? And sometimes it was us. Sometimes it was life. You, you just never know unless you actually sit down and talk with them. But I do find that those two ranks are the ones that really define those students. And why, how well I see them transfer at green belt really helps me decide what's going to happen at brown belt. Yeah, that's good. Well, it's good that you have a forward scope to start. If you see that, then you can start working on the solution, you know. Mm -hmm. And just hearing uh, Mr. Chris, Chris talk about that, that's a good, that's cool. To, to, you know, just make it like, oh, holy, yeah, that's right. I am losing them at this, and those are the reasons why. How do I mitigate those risks? Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, yeah, that's good. It's something you said about uh, having having it be sort of a shock to the system when things get harder uh, and correct me if I'm wrong but things get a little bit more challenging or harder at, at later ranks because they're staring down the barrel of 
Mm-hmm. And that's what we do as, as instructors. And I think that we have to work on our on our skills is how how we transfer that information so that we try not to overload their their spirit and let them see those attainable goals. You know, those steps up to, to get there. And that's a big that's been a big lesson for me um, is making it more the same for everybody across the board in your expectation. Just because you're a white belt working on your yellow belt doesn't mean that you get to show your ass in my class mm-hmm. um, as much as I would probably let a brown belt show their ass in my class if they had a bad day or something like that. Like, no, the expectation is the same. You bow into that mat, that means you're leaving the outside world outside and you are here to train show shit. Yep. Um, it took me so long to learn that. <laughs> <laughs> really long time. It, it, it's it's a constant learning process. Uh, you know, I I've always related it as um, you know, I I was always frustrated with myself at my black belt testing, my very first one with Hubkido. I, I thought I did terrible, and uh, I I was not depressed with it, but it, it did make me go, I need to change something. But you know, we're, we're always looking back. And from white belt to black belt, when I looked at it that way, I said, well, I actually learned a lot and I went through a lot. I experienced a lot. So I guess I should be worthy of the black belt. I was still a little hesitant with it. But then going from first degree to second degree, um, I then looked back and went, wow, I learned twice as much going from first degree to second degree than I did from, you know, white belt to to, to first degree. I didn't think there was that much oh, yeah. more to learn. And then you look at it at third degree and go, even just from second degree to third degree, I learned more than I did from white belt to second degree. Like, and yeah. it just keeps <laughs> happening. <laughs> Every year I look back and go, God, I was an idiot last year. What, what was I teaching? <laughs> it just changes absolutely. so much and there's so much more to learn out there. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, I think that, but I think that's the sign of a quality instructor and a quality martial artist. Um, one of one of my one of my teachers, a good friend of mine, uh, one of you know one thing he'll tell people is, I look back at a uh, pictures or video of me teaching training when I was a, a black belt, and I think to myself, God, I look like shit. <laughs> and then I see pictures of myself training when I was a second degree. I'm like, God, I look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> It's crazy. It's just that viewpoint. They're looking up, and we're looking down or looking back, and yeah, it's 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 tough. It's fine to look back. It's fine to look forward, but you know the focus has to be on what you're doing right now, and that that's sometimes difficult. But I want to get into um, the your best moments and toughest moments. So let's start with um, your toughest moments, Um, and it could be through anything, whether it's training or. Uh, teaching, or if you want to do both, go right ahead. Uh, I'm a pretty abstract thinker, so I uh, I know that after the interview or after this uh, podcast, I'm going to be thinking like, oh man, that would have been a cool to share because I really learned this, this, and that from there. So, I'm, you know, that being said, um, one that really sticks out is uh, I, was, I was training, I was looking for someone to train some stuff with. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to keep this as, as, uh, as cool as I can. So, 
I, I met him by happenstance. Uh, we started training together, and uh, I took him on as my teacher, and he took me on as his students. He had a few students at the time, and we were just training together just every week, two, three times a week, and I'm just I'm just eating up what he is selling, man. And mm-hmm. uh, this is not in Shoshinryu. Um, it's not even, not an SCS. Um, in fact, I don't think he's affiliated with anybody right now, but um, um, uh, I'm training with him, training with him, training with him, and for about two years. And then I come to find out through other means, some piece, some other people heard that I was training with him, and they pulled me aside and said, you might want to look up his history. Mm-hmm. I remember and this. I was like, yeah, I think you, you, were, you were there through me through this time. Yeah. So, um, you know, out of respect for him and his, what one work that he's done, even though I don't think it's enough, um, that's why I'm definitely not going to like lead to style or or names. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I when I do something, I take it on a hundred and ten percent. Like I don't I don't mess around, um, and I put my whole heart into it. And I'm an emotional person. Uh, my wife is not, so we'll be sitting at you know sitting down watching a movie, and uh, you know the Sarah McLaughlin. TV show comes on or commercial comes on and I'm the one crying and she's like you know suck it up pussy <laughs> so I'm a very emotional person you know I, if I get into it with a student and uh, we start talking about the sincerity of our history and you know like oh my god I remember this like I got tears rolling up in my eyes and I'm not afraid to share it I just that's just who I am but um so that is to say that when I took him take him on as a teacher like I mean it like I'm I am devoted I am loyal and I want to, I want to walk the path that you have walked, you know. Um, so, anyways, I got pulled to the side by these other people who I was training with, and they they're like, you might want to look at his history. And I did, found out that he was uh, he had been in put in he had been in prison in the late nineties uh, for uh, inappropriate relations with a nine year old girl in a mm-hmm. dojo back in the nineties. Um, <clears throat> and then after he got out of prison, he disappeared. He he left. Uh, left the country for I don't know like five or six years or something like that um, and that's that was about a year or two later that I had met him um, so I was put into this situation um, he had lied to me because he had never told me that this had happened he, he didn't come clean and say look I've got this bad history um, in fact by law I am not allowed to teach or train or be around children mm-hmm. and I was teaching out of uh out of the gymnastics studio at the time and I was like you have put me in a huge you know horrible situation and it broke my heart man it just it was not was not good so I had to make a decision like okay so what do I do I mean if he had told me straight up this is who I am this is what I did I could have said all right we're gonna go to Wrightsville Beach you know once a week it's just gonna be you and me training because I just want to train the technique but mm-hmm. you need to, uh, you know, I need to know that you are doing what's right, to, that you that you are correcting your path, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never got that chance because he lied to me, and he was he was there in the dojo with me and doing the stuff, and he didn't teach any kids. He wasn't around them necessarily, but you know, it, it is a child-related facility, and that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it is. Anyway, the whole point of the story is it was a really big deal for me, and what it taught me was, um, it, I don't know, it taught me that. There's uh, that that, it, that you need to stick up for you, what you know is right, mm-hmm. and I did it. You know, obviously.
obviously, but um, I, I just I was able to really come out of that and say like I broke it off with this guy. Like I I, I pretty much shanghaied him. Like I called him up and said, yeah yeah yeah, let's go get a beer, yada yada, you know. And he didn't he he had no idea that I knew. Mm-hmm. And I got out of my car in the parking lot. And I said, we need to talk. We need to have a serious talk. And he's just like he broke down crying, and I did too. And I was like, you know, I I can't train with you. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best, but uh, uh, you need to you need to be more honest with people and live, live your life a more more clear way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I don't know where he is now. I don't know how he's doing. I hope he's I hope he's doing well. Uh, you know, that's a that is that's the kind of talk, conversation that we can have a different conversation about in, in some other time. But it's it's not easy. No, <laughs> no, by any means. So from what I what I learned from that is that it, from that hard time. I learned that it is uh, uh, it's worth sticking up for what you know is right, and uh, I, I think I learned that I am a fighter, that I was somebody who was going to protect my dojo and my following at all costs, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And it made it easier. It yeah. made it much easier to uh, to make hard decisions and confront people. Which is all a part of self-defense as well, you know. Like if yeah. you're not able to speak up for yourself, then it is. Uh, and I remember when you were going through that because even I, I'm, I, when you mentioned that to me years ago, I'm like, shit, what would I do? And it yeah. it gets you thinking. And you know, it my my conclusion, if I remember correctly, was, you know, is how would I go about? Like, I really want that knowledge, but is it worth that knowledge? And that that's a tough one, because even if you don't, it, like, if you knew it ahead of time and you just trained together to get that knowledge and that person never became part of your life in any other way, that's, you know, the, probably the best scenario, but is it the, is that the best scenario or is the best scenario to just walk on by? And I, I right. still don't know what that answer would be. It, it's well, I, it's tough. I think, I think as I'm hearing you talk, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this too, I think that it's important for the listeners to understand that this is a very different situation than if it was somebody who was currently in the act of being a pedophile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what, in my opinion, once a pedophile, always a pedophile, but that's mm-hmm. personal, Aaron. That's not necessarily the sense of Aaron talking. We can talk about the philosophies of that later. He did his time. <laughs> For the crime, mm-hmm. he was put on the registry list, and he was not actively around children or seeking children out that I knew of whatsoever. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give him those props because I think he deserves those. Um, but when you are dishonest with me and put me and my following into a situation, I have to protect that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had found out that he was actively doing it, uh, I would have sued him, and I would have been. Uh, you know, it would have been a whole different situation. There would have been no decision to be made. It would have been made made all on its own. So I think that's an important decision. Uh, you know, like thing to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's uh, I, I've had I hate to say similar issues, but as far as the the whole mindset of protecting your school, protecting your students, I've been in that position before. Um, you've seen my uh, my last uh, uh, dojang, the last studio I was in. Um, You've been over there. It's it's not the best area of town, and right. so we had a lot of people that just kind of walked in or walked by, and 
when it was the adult class, I didn't worry too much. Because there, there's a very strict line. Literally, there is a line that once you walk past that line, which is the dojo or dojang floor, when they someone puts yeah. their foot on there and they're not welcome, the entire class is going to be in their face. And so we've had that before. And someone you know under the influence walked in and uh, he just kind of sat there for a while and stared and he wasn't responding to anything. And then he looks up and goes, I'm a black cat. I'm like, what? And a then I'm a black cat. <laughs> that was his only words. And he then he gets up and he starts like, faking some tai chi movements in the the lobby area and we're just kind of like everyone's got one eye on him the whole time and then he he almost put his foot like he came up to the the the, the little opening to get on the floor and i think he may have put one foot on there and every head turned in his direction he froze quickly and then bowed and left but you know you you see that and i've had uh people walk in when i when i had my kids class or the after school and it's a very different thing. They don't get a chance to sit down. If I know there's an issue, I'm there, and they're not allowed to stay. Like I'll give them some information, say if you want to do classes, but this is a closed, you know, studio at this moment, uh, because there's a difference there. There's kids there, and even if I can physically defend this person, I don't want the kids to see that. I don't want them to try and figure out what's going on there. I just need that person gone. And it's. Oh yeah. No. You know what I mean? And I know, I know you know this, but like, uh, you know, yeah, there's no reason to be like, oh, hey, everybody, I'm going to kick this guy's ass because <laughs> I got something to prove. Like, no, yeah. yeah, you're showing them your awesomeness and just your ability to say, this is a closed class. I'd really appreciate it if you do, you know, come back at another time, give me a call, we'll schedule it, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Yep. Yeah. It's awesome. tough. It's a, it's a strange world out there, but. Anyway. <laughs> oh, it is. And what a, what a, you know, it's it's an art, man. It's part of the martial art is to be able to deal with those situations. Mm-hmm. I, and my, what has changed for me is my buffer zone, right? Like yep. if somebody comes into my dojo like that now, I don't have a dojo yet right now, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm on them, like immediately. I'm like, oh, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? And I already know. I'm like, this person doesn't need to be here. Yep. And, you know, 10 years ago, I'd have been like, oh, everybody gets a chance to, you know, watch our class and see what's going on, and he probably just needs a little bit of help. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to help him make this decision if he's really interested and he's really good. Now, if he needs help, right, like, if, he's, if it's a medical emergency or something like that, then yes, I'm going to be like, all right, everybody, go do, you know, 100 kicks each or whatever. I'm going to call, you know, ambulance, and they're going to come help this person. Um, but other than that, it's like, no, kid, you, you need to walk home. Yep. <laughs> it's tough. Those are the things that people don't realize when you're you're a studio owner versus yeah. uh, training as a student. There's just there's so many more aspects to deal with when it comes to like the public and even the way you act, things you say, things you do. Uh, they can be they can hurt your business or they can oh, help yeah. your business. There, there's a lot going on there. It's difficult. Yeah. So have you have ever had um, any, none, it doesn't have to even be a fight, but anything since training in martial arts that you had some sort of altercation that you felt uh, martial arts helped you through it? Even if it, again, doesn't have to be fits, thrown, or anything, is there anything that martial arts uh, assisted you in with the situation? Uh, 
so, all right. So the, for us, one of the things that you're trying to attain, that you're working to attain, is Mushin. Um, and Mushin is just uh, um, pretty much when time slows down. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you, you remember the first uh, Tobey Maguire Superman, or uh, uh, Spider-Man? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you remember the scene when uh, they're in the locker room and the guy is going to fight him and he's start, first starting to realize he has powers? And uh, the bully is throwing his fist, and time slows down. And Toby is able to see, you know, he, he sees a, an airplane, a, a folded airplane, a paper airplane flying through the air mm -hmm. in slow motion. He hears the wings of the fly across the room. Yeah. Like, everything just... So I've always visualized that as such. And so I'm like, you know... And, I, you know, in our literature and in our training techniques, it's like, okay, you train so much. You put your time in and you work this quality information. And if you do it right, you're going to have those flashes. You're going to have these flashes of those times. Mm -hmm. And it's not exactly like that, but it feels similar. Yeah. Um, so that all being said, like the groundwork. Um, I, so in my opinion, you come up from one of two schools of thought when you first start the martial arts. Either you were the bully or you were the bullied, mm -hmm. right? You've, you've either got sort of a strong, strong, uh, strong, um, strong arm grip. Yeah, yeah, you're either a strong arm, you're a strong, <laughs> strong, strong spirit in, in sort of the aggressive way, or mm -hmm. you're sort of the timid, right? And I was yeah. definitely the timid. I was, I wasn't bullied. I was very lucky growing up, but, um. I was definitely, if something happened, I remember somebody, I was at a church dance, dude. I grew up with a bunch of Mormons, and we were at a church dance, and there was this kid who just didn't, who wanted to pick a fight with me and my friends, and we were all doing jiu-jitsu at the time. We were probably all blue belt, green belts, and he's like, I'm going to kick your ass, and we're like, oh, fuck, okay. I'm like, why? He's like, I don't know, because I don't like the cut of your jib or whatever it is, and he's like, I'm gonna, I got a knife in my truck, and I'm going to cut you. And I lost my mind. I started shaking. I was sweating. And I was like, it's probably the same moment that Darren had when he was chasing that guy with the, mm -hmm. you know, with the wrenches. I was like, well, I've been training this martial art for like two years now. And I've been, you know, I had been doing other martial arts for way before that as a kid. And I, how am I, I'm losing my mind right now. Like, I have no ability to defend myself if this guy actually comes after me with a knife. I'm so scared. Mm -hmm. All right, so fast forward about, uh, I think it was 20, 2014, 2015. I was in a, a bar downtown Wilmington and uh, hanging out with a couple of my friends. And I ran into this girl that I used to do CrossFit with. And uh, she... You know, we used to train together, used to do CrossFit together all the time. She saw me from across the bar, ran across the bar, jumped up, and just, oh, my God, it's so good to see you. You know, like, I gave her a big hug and whatever, and she's, you know, like, that's it. And then she's like, oh, my God, I'm engaged, and my soon-to-be husband's here. i got to introduce you guys. He's so cool. No, 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 no. Like, sweet. So then she left. I didn't see her. I mean, she was probably in another part of the bar, but she wasn't, you know, she wasn't around. And then I'm, I'm over there talking to some other people that she was with that I knew as well. And they were like, oh, have you met her new husband yet? Or soon-to-be husband? I was like, no. And they were like, well, wait till you meet this guy. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> and uh, he was a bully. Um, hmm. And he, oh, so the whole point of the bully and the not-bully story is that, you know, either, 
when you, when you have a student, they're either somebody who you have to sort of tone down and help them see the gentle side of things and help them understand social situations and what a monkey dance is and things like that, rather mm-hmm. than be all hot-headed. Or you have to build their spirit up and give them permission to kick somebody in the balls. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, this guy came out of the bathroom or whatever and had seen me uh, and her have that interaction, had seen her jump up and give me this big hug and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's a, he's a jealous freak. <laughs> and uh, he comes up to me, and I'm like, hey, you must be whatever, whatever. Really nice to meet you. And I put my drink into my left hand and reach my right hand out to shake his hand, and time slows down. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was no trigger. There was no fist thrown. There was nothing, but there was that internal... Uh, hair on the back of the, on the back of your neck starting to stand up moment mm-hmm. when I noticed before anything happened that he wasn't transferring his right his drink to his left hand mm-hmm. and he was chesting up to me he was getting in my face <laughs> and he's like yeah I heard who you are like who the f you are or whatever <laughs> and she's standing in the, like off to the side like what the hell you know <laughs> <laughs> and I put my drink I slowly put my drink into my right hand took a big step back just out of his punching or grabbing grabbing range and I said oh is that what's gonna happen (laughs) and I got I'm not kidding Dan I got excited I got happy (laughs) like inside my heart I was just like oh just yes this would be so awesome for me and terrible for you and you know at any other moment that I talk about this that would sound extremely egotistical because it's like oh I'm a martial artist I can kick your ass I don't care like no that is not where it was coming from it mm-hmm. was, it was a, a deep seated sense of just awareness of the situation awareness of his structure mm-hmm. my mental state was completely calm completely happy to just take on whatever was going to happen and it was it was magical and what, what happened what did I do I left Mm-hmm. I put my drink down on the bar. It was half empty. I said, hey, guys, I'm moving on to the next bar. I'll see you over there. And they're like, what? what where are you going? Like, eh, see you later. Like, they didn't even see what happened. <laughs> she did. She's pulling him back, and he's still, like, you know, talking to me or whatever. And I'm, I leave. Because that's, you know, again, that's self-defense for me. Self-defense yeah. is just not being there, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw all options, man. I was just like, oh, yeah, this, this would be great. Please, put a hand on me. Let's yeah. go.
now you have to deal with this person because you're now in this legal situation in an intersection, right? Mm -hmm. um, so now you feel this horrible guilt, you're in the wrong, everything sucks, and now this person gets out of their car and comes after you. They're going to kick your ass. Like, okay, now that's a scenario that we can talk about and talk about your spirit in the time and how you deal with that. Um, and that if you have to protect yourself physically, you need to be ready mentally to be able to deliver those tools. You have to be able to give yourself permission to say, I don't give, I don't care if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. You have no right to lay your hands on me. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, actually, uh, I was driving, um, actually it was on Mother's Day. Uh, me and my wife and my kids were, uh, we just got done with a hike and we were going to go to Dairy Queen. And I'm, it's a Sunday, you know, it's nice and sunny here in Eugene, everybody's chill. And I did not adjust my mirrors to what my wife has the, the van mirrors adjusted to, so I had a pretty big blind spot and I cut somebody off. Mm. Um, we were we were in a, like a 35 mile per hour zone. There was no issue, I didn't hit them. Uh, they had to swerve over to the next lane, but there was no other traffic. Like, for me, I'd have been like, you know, I'd have said some certain words inside my own vehicle mm -hmm. and then moved on. Yeah. Like, you son of a bitch, like whatever. <laughs> Um, so I waved, I waved in my rear view and like, oh my God, I'm sorry. Well, it turns out they were going to Dairy Queen too. And they pulled in before we did. And, uh, I pulled up and this guy got out of his vehicle and came screaming and spitting at, at our van. And, uh, you ran us off the road, you bleeping, mana, 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 mana. And just, I mean, unhinged, yep. completely unhinged. And it was really interesting for me to watch that happen because I felt so bad for having cut them off. But I was also like, dude, you think I'm getting out of this car? <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking my family and I'm moving on. I'm yeah. going to leave your little hissy fitting ass to hang out with whatever you're doing. <laughs> See you yeah. later. You know, I sped off and the kids are like, whoa, what's that? I'm like, I just, you know, I, I made a mistake. And, um, <laughs> reason for him to do that either you know? no it, so. everyone's got that sense of revenge like you did something that you know somehow affected me negatively so i need to do the same to you somehow even though it doesn't improve anything right it, it's ridiculous you, you see that mindset everywhere it's it, it most people have it unfortunately it's just that uh natural sense of fairness if you feel someone's been unnaturally unfair to you or whatever it may be you just got that uh sensation of i need to make this fair or at least make them know that it wasn't fair and yeah. once you kind of realize that you're like well that's stupid yeah. <laughs> you yeah. learn from it and that too that comes from martial arts that it's never fair <laughs> nothing is ever fair in the studio right. we, we make it safe as safe as we can possibly make it but i'm sorry right. if you're Five one and a hundred pounds. Eventually, you're going to go against a three hundred pounder when we're working on material. It's just Absolutely. it's going to happen. <laughs> you got to learn. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, I I had that discussion with with uh, actually one of my ex special forces friends. He calls me out a lot. He said he'll see a couple of my students that are you know half my size, and it's not hard to be half my size. <laughs> um, and they uh, and he's like, you know, that would never work on a, on somebody who had intent, right? And I'm like, well, what do you mean intent? <laughs> He's like, if you really wanted to like hold her down and kick her ass, you could do it. And I'm like, well, what set of rules are we planning here? He's like, general set. Like, if you wanted to kill her, I'm like, if I wanted to kill her, I'd just shoot her from 100 yards away. Like, 
Yeah. He's like, you know what I mean. I'm like, no, I don't know what you mean. Like, I don't know what self-defense is. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I say that is because it's situational always. Yep. Um, if I have chosen that person as a victim, that means that I think that they are weak. And when I now try to impose my will upon that person, have you ever tried to put a cat into a bucket of water? <laughs> Not in a long time, no. <laughs> right, right. So, and I, I guarantee you, if I try to put a cat, if I if I take a uh, what's that guy's name, uh, Thor Bjornsson, the the mountain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You give that guy a cat and have him try to put it in a bucket of water. He's gonna he's gonna throw that cat across the room and get away as fast as he can. He doesn't want anything to do with that. So that's what that's something that I talk about with my self defense people. I'm like, you have to have those those that ability to you know up the ante and change the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you think that you're gonna fight somebody, you're hundred percent against their hundred percent. You're you know a lot of times you're gonna lose. Yeah. Um, you have to put your hundred percent against the hundred percent of you know the non hundred percent of their weakness, mm-hmm. um, not their strength. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I'm never going to try to out grapple a grappler. No, you know, um, the, and that's so, the yeah. whole point that uh, you, trying to define self defense is incredibly difficult. It can be simple and say it's protecting yourself. That right. there it is, but. What does that include? There, like you said, there. What rules are we applying when someone says, uh, "Oh, Taekwondo couldn't," uh, or Taekwondoists couldn't do anything against a jiu-jitsu guy, like in what chess? Right. Like, what are we talking about here? I, exactly. <laughs> there's so many variables. Are we talking weapons now? Are we talking in a ring? Are we talking on dirt? Are we talking on a field of glass and uh, rocks? Because I'm not going to want to go to the ground with glass on the ground here are you like there, there's always a scenario are there is it five on one is it one on one uh is there yeah. a belt on the line <laughs> so many people miss that aspect of it and i'm glad we shared those four stories your two or excuse me three uh and mine with the chain because all four of those were self-defense and not involved with uh having to really fight back or punch or kick or really win yeah. a fight. It just we got out of there and we protected ourselves. That we won. End of yeah, story. Absolutely. So that I, I yeah. like that. Um, I want to finish with um, the one last question here, and however long that goes, I don't care. Uh, your uh, the the best moments or uh, in martial arts career. Again, it could be training, it could be uh, teaching. Uh, mental, physical, it doesn't matter. What, like, stands out to you as, like, this great moment for you? God. Oh, it's hard to... There's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm sure you have the same thing, too, or else we wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be in it doing what you do. Yeah. Um, uh, I... Try to pick, pick out just a couple, you know? Uh, okay, so the first one that came to my mind uh, when you when we had talked about this earlier and you said you were going to ask a couple of things about that is one that uh, was actually quite recent. It was in 2017, I believe. Um, uh, black belt from another state. Uh, he's actually Dojo Cho. He's an instructor for the, the school up in Connecticut. Uh, he uh, wanted to come down and spend the week.
weekend with me training up some stuff. He was going to be testing for his second degree black belt in, uh, actually that later that year. So it might have actually been 2016. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Anyway, he was coming to visit me for a weekend and just train a whole bunch and do some stuff. And he's a kid. I mean, he's an ex-Marine. He's a, a new father. Um, and uh, I didn't really know him really well. I knew of him. I'd seen him move. I trained with him at a couple of seminars across the country. And uh, <clears throat> so it was really neat to just really scope in and train with him for a weekend. And during that weekend, I realized that his background is uh, was not easy. You know, his family is uh, definitely not a fun upbringing. Um, a lot of a lot of family issues, a lot of uh, drug abuse and stuff like that. And he has the, the inborn strength of spirit to just get himself out of that. You know, he got into the Marines and um, did it for what it was worth for him and then got out and started his dojo. And we had a moment in my truck after a good session of training and uh, we were just talking about stuff about influence and, and people who have influenced us. And he talked about this other gentleman who was his teacher when he was eight years old or, you know, whatever, he was a kid. And about how the dojo was a sanctuary for him to come from his house. And this teacher, I've, I've actually trained with his teacher for years and years. I know him really well. And he's like, you know, Sensei Lorenzic really made a point to make me feel special. He knew what I came from. He, he made special circumstances so I didn't have to pay for classes and I could come. And he started crying. He, you know, this grown super fit, super strong dude, just, you know, and I started crying, I'm like bawling like a baby, he's crying <laughs> about how how much that it really meant to him and how it changed the course of his entire life, <laughs> um, just his kindness and his, but also his, you know, don't mess around, you're going to be at my dojo, you're going to act a certain way type stuff, you know what I mean, all the yeah. stuff, all that, all the stuff that we watch on movies, all the, you know, uh, Karate Kid, all the all that stuff, all those lessons are there, and they're there all the time, and they're on us to give mm -hmm. to our students. It's a responsibility and it's a gift to give those things to students, and it's really magical to watch that happen. And so, so that was that's one big one is that I really saw in him that uh, it was just a really cool thing to see how uh, the ripples in the pond, you know, really affect the people that you teach and train. Mm -hmm. um, Another one, you know, it's funny. You know, we talk about my my worst situation or the, the one that was most challenging. It was also one of my best. <laughs> um, you know, I I actually that's the reason that I heard about him. You know, having that issue um, is because I went to this seminar and a couple of my friends from <clears throat> up north came down to a couple of my my sensei actually came down to go to the seminar with me in, in uh, Raleigh. So I went up there with them, and we spent the house with their friends of theirs, and yada yada. Spent the weekend at a house up there. So I had the the gift of having one of my mentors with me while this thing was while when I heard that news. And he, he was just like, you know, you are better than him. Even though you're learning really good technique from him, and he has more techniques than you, that doesn't matter because you are a better martialist than him. You make better choices. And it's now your turn to learn how to how to defend it and protect who you are and what you do. And I was like, wow, so that was that's a good one too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. I I know it's so tough. You know, 
picking out uh, great moments like that. Like you said, that we can just go through a laundry list of things that were like life changing that we've gone through with martial arts and you know talk for hours about it and still go crap i forgot to say about this and this <laughs> and oh, yeah. that, that's that's why we keep doing this there's just so many endless gems that we keep you know receiving from teaching for me and you know even training uh it, they're both very different but uh they they keep producing things that make me wake up and go i can't wait to get back to the studio today every right. time and that, that was one thing for me uh, when I started teaching, there's actually two things, but um, I, I remember at one point waking up on a Monday morning when I was doing this full time and going, I can't wait to get in there. Like, who says I can't wait for Monday to happen? <laughs> and yeah, the, the only well, people that say that are the ones that love their job and love what they're doing. And I'm like, this is definitely what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, yeah. this is perfect. It's it's incredible. I, I I wish more people understood what you and I understand. What I'm assuming almost every instructor that's worth their weight in knowledge here uh, understands. And it's just there's so many benefits that are so beyond just throwing a punch or a kick or choke or joint lock, whatever it may be. Uh, oh, yeah. It's just life changing on so many levels. Oh, my, I have people. I watched. Um... God, when was that? 2003. I watched one of my uh, one of my guys um, <clears throat> test for his showdown. He's, he's out of Boise. In 2000, 2002 or 2003, I watched him test for his you know his black belt. And I was there with him, and uh, now he's right there, you know, as as one of the leaders of the system. And uh, we are dear friends, and we. I've, I've got that now for the rest of my life to be able to look back at these every year I go to the national seminar when we have it you know this this is the first year it's ever been canceled and um, actually no I think in 2008 there wasn't enough people to do it but they still held like a little mini one or something like that but anyways, this one you know we did it due to COVID we're still going to do something online it's going to be a big deal and it's just we're just looking at it like okay it's not another opportunity to do it a different way but yeah. anyways that's a side story it's really cool to see like just this friendship, this dear, deep friendship where you look at this guy and you're like, dude, I would, I would die for you. You know, mm -hmm. you're a brother to me. Um, and I have, you know, a lot of relationships like that here in, um, in Shoshinru. And it's just really a gift to be able to bleed and, and sweat with these people, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is. So many great stories out there. So many life changing aspects. Like even, you know, the worst ones out there, they, they still had that positive impact. Like you learn from, you know, those mistakes and things that go wrong. And, uh, it's yeah. just, it is what it is. It's a learning pro. It's just, it's that process. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is, uh, most things you do to accomplish something. Whereas martial arts, you do it to do it. <laughs> you, you have to enjoy the process. It's, there's no end result. Like, hooray, I get this trophy. Now I'm, I'm done. Put it on the shelf, move yeah. on. <laughs> right. it, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's so different. And, you know, trying yeah. to explain it, it I, I hope people understand it through listening to what, uh, you know, your stories and what we're talking about here and everything else I've been doing with the, the podcast and writing. I hope people understand that there's just so many different levels to martial arts like uh, that. It never ends. No. I mean, you know, the same, the same person that told me that I would never be as good as him, but mm -hmm. I would always be better than him. <laughs> <laughs> 
he's still one of my mentors, and mm-hmm. I still train with him every uh, two, three times a year. And uh, he's not done, dude. No. He's, he, he's always having these, these realizations. He's like, boy, last year I would have never thought about this, but now I've been doing this. Have you ever heard the story, the good luck, bad luck story? Mm, I'm not sure. Tell it to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a farmer and his, he's got his neighbor over and they're hanging out and uh, the farmer's horse gets out it's the one horse that they've got horse gets out of his pen and leaves and the neighbor says oh man that sucks that's your only horse man like that you gotta, you gotta use that horse to take care of all of your farm work and the farmer says good luck bad luck who knows <laughs> and uh, a couple days later the horse comes back and the horse has a whole bunch of wild horses following him. So they're able to corral this team of wild horses. So now he's got like, you know, whatever, 15 horses now. And the, the, the farmer's friend says, wow, that's awesome luck. I can't believe it. Now you have like 15 horses. This is amazing. You're going to work the hell out of your land. The farmer just says, eh, good luck, bad luck. Who knows? So then uh, next day, the farmer's son is out there breaking these horses. And he's riding the horse and gets thrown and, falls and horrifically breaks his leg, you know. And the farmer's friend says, oh my God, that's terrible luck. I can't believe your son broke and now you can't use him to help you plow the field and yada, yada, yada. And the farmer says, good luck, bad luck, who knows. So then the last part of the story is uh, um, a couple weeks later, the, uh, the army comes through and they're taking all the young men because they're going to go fight this big battle. Well, nobody comes back from these battles and they know it, but they can't take the son because he's got a broken leg. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that, especially through COVID and, you know, the stuff that we're seeing and, um, it, it, I, I, it's really easy to get down in the dumps and to say, mm-hmm. oh, this sucks because of A, B, C, and D. It's so easy to do that. But there has also been a really fruitful, amazing thing of, of ingenuity and people making things better mm-hmm. that I... You know, I get to spend a whole lot of time with my kids now. I get to be with them every morning more than I ever would have with them going to school. And what a relationship builder. What a, what a neat thing that most people don't get is to actually hang out with their kids as a, as a you know, the quintessential American, man, you know, husband and father that's going to work every day and providing and the kids are going to school. And, um, it's just been a really cool thing. It's yeah. not easy, but it's uh, it's been a good luck yeah. thing, you know. It has. And I'm doing the same thing. Like I'm going back and forth with it. When it first hit, I'm like, okay, i got a couple weeks. I can get some projects done. This, this could be a good thing. And then it goes longer. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. What's going to happen? And then they cancel school for the rest of the year. And that's like 90% yeah. of my income is the after school. And I started freaking out. And then they said, well, there's going to be relief funds for it. I'm like, oh, oh, that's great. So I'll, I'll be able to keep getting more stuff done and make it through this and then none of the relief funds come through <laughs> and unemployment won't let uh won't let me have it or anything so I'm, i got nothing from it no loans nothing and so i'm going up and down with it going freaking out and hating everything and then at the same time i finished my book and it's being edited right now and going to be published hopefully within the next few months um, that i've been trying to get published and past nine years haven't been able to do it now it's going to get done it's right at the tail end of it 
and I you know started the podcast. There's another thing I'd been wanting to do for a while. I started my next book. I'm already about you know 20% done with that one, and so I I'm starting to take this more as a not a good thing or a bad thing, but just the next thing to improve. And when yeah. I find a way to get back up and working again, I'm going to have extra uh, supplemental income because I'm going to have a book out there. I'm going to have uh, all of my online courses are now on my website that I can sell to you know anybody in the world that wants to train now. You don't have to even be here. And yeah. I can still work with you through online uh, videos. Um, so it's just, it, it, there, there's never just a, this is definitive bad. It doesn't yeah. work that way. Everything is in that gray zone that just floats back and forth and you have to make it good or you make it bad. And I yeah. keep telling myself that cause it, you know, even though I know this, I will still wake up a couple days from now hating life <laughs> and then I'll push through it and then I'll go, no, I'm going to make something of this. Let's get this done. And by the end of the day, I'm happy again. So it, it is what it is, and there's not much you can do about it. We can sit here and blame this person or that person or say that everyone's stupid or this thing doesn't exist. I don't right. care. It is what it is. It's already happening. Let's move on and do the best yeah, with what it. Are, what are you going to do with it? Yep. What, you, what choice do you have and what choices are you going to make to get through whatever the situation is? If you... Um, you know, a lot of people are complaining right now. A lot of gym owners are complaining about the governor, North Carolina governor, mm -hmm. not opening the gyms. And I get it. And I, um, when I look at the situation, I will agree that he made a mistake and that mm -hmm. the gym should be open to a safe level of capacity as our other businesses, you know. Um, but I can't change what he's done. No. And if, if so, what are you? You're gonna sit back and say, "Oh, well, I can't do anything, so I'm just gonna let the gym stay closed, and I'm not gonna support my following, and everybody's, I'm probably just gonna lose everybody and go bankrupt." Yeah. Yes, that is a choice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got a the gym that I belong to here. Um, this guy hasn't skipped a beat. He is on Instagram. <laughs> He's posting these joyful videos of like, okay, here's our solo workout for the day. We're going to do 20 push-ups, this, this, you know, whatever. And it's <laughs> funny, and it's well done. It's well lit. It's well, you know, the, the, the video quality is amazing. Um, and then when it come, when they actually, here in, uh, in Oregon, they actually decided that the gyms would be part of the, the initial opening process, so that's cool. Um, he's like right on top of it, wearing a mask. You know, setting up all of his equipment six feet apart, yeah, whatever, all that stuff. And it's, he's not going to skip a beat. He's not going to lose any of his following because they all are drawn to that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's a choice that he makes, just like a punch. A punch is coming at your face either way. Now, what are you going to do about it? Yep. Whine about why he's punching you? Like, <laughs> get over it. <laughs> you know? Yep. And I think that's a good note to, to end on there. Um, I And I... I know it's your birthday, by the way. Happy birthday. Thank you. Is it 42? Is that right? Yes, sir. Nice. I, yeah, man. It's, uh, I'll let you get back to the kids and going crazy and having fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I know that it took a long time for us to get here, and it was my doing. You've been asking <laughs> me to do something like this for a while. And, uh, you know, it was outside of my comfort zone, man. Mm -hmm. I just... 
for some reason I'm like uh, I don't know I didn't want it to seem I don't, I don't know I have no answer so I'm just really <laughs> glad that I'm, I fi- you you finally asked and I finally said yes Yes. So I appreciate it very yep. much. We'll do it again sometime. Hopefully uh, the next time you visit, you can do it in studio here. That'd be awesome. I'm super down for that. Excellent. Appreciate it. Enjoy your All right. birthday. All right. I will, Dan. Thank you so much. Yep. Have a good one. Later, bro. Bye.